The epistle for the first Sunday in Advent is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. So that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel in St. Mark, the 11th chapter. When they drew near to Jerusalem, in Bethphage and Bethany, the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. This is the gospel of the Lord's. Mercy and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You may be seated. I really love Advent. If I had to pick my favorite season of the church here, this would probably be it. I think part of that is not growing up Lutheran, not having the church year to structure my year in the church before becoming Lutheran. It became something right away that I just kind of fell in love with. That and the hymns, we've already sang two of the greatest hymns in our hymnal. We have amazing hymns at Advent. So many of the extra services that we have, the extra ceremonies, are a wonderful way to prepare ourselves. And yet it seems year by year it gets harder to focus on Advent. Increasingly in our culture, Christmas decorations and things go out further and further back, sometimes into October in some stores. Next year will probably be September, and then in the summer, who knows? And part of that is because out in the culture, they have no sense of sacred time or sacred space. All of their holy days have been erased, and really all they have left is Christmas. So it makes sense that it keeps inching its way further and further back in the calendar. Yet, for us as Christians, it's different. We do have this holy season of Advent, and I get it. December's busy. So often we're so filled up with stuff in December that by the time we get to the 25th, we're done with it. We're tired of it. We're ready to move on to something else. So we celebrate Christmas for one day instead of the 12 that we're given. 
and we're on to the next thing. But Advent really is a gift for us. The whole church's year of grace is a gift to us to help us rightly order and structure our time so that we can be prepared for what's coming. See, Advent is here as a time of preparation, a time to get us ready. And Advent, one of the reasons it's amazing is it's getting us ready for three things. It's getting us ready, of course, to celebrate the birth of Christ, but Advent also prepares us for Christ's second coming. And, the focus of this evening, Advent prepares us to receive Christ as he comes to us in word and sacrament right now. So we want to consider these things tonight. Why does he need to come? That's a question we really have to address first. And one that's easily overlooked. Right? People get overly sentimental about Christmas and they like to ooh and awe over a baby in a manger. But they forget why he had to be born. A good king was supposed to uphold justice. He would protect his people from violence and abuse. A good king advocated on behalf of his people. And in Israel, a good king, a true king, would lead his people in the rights and true worship of God. They would tear down idols and call the people to repentance. And Jesus, of course, is the king of kings. He is the very epitome of what it means to be a king. As we've sung already and heard, he is mighty to save. And so we prayed, something a little different than how we normally pray during the church year. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come. That is, rouse yourself, wake up, O Lord, and come. That by your protection, we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins. And saved by your mighty deliverance. We have a very real and present need, but we often don't see it that way. I don't think we often see our sins as all that threatening and all that perilous. Sometimes, in fact, I think we see them as kind of a small thing, a minor detail in our lives. Part of that's because the world's blinded us to the reality of our sin, and it's blinded us to just how damaged and damning those sins are. And Advent comes along and reminds us that we are indeed damnable. We deserve God's wrath because of our sin. What did you just confess? I, a poor, miserable sinner, deserve what? Temporal and eternal punishment. Punishment right now, here in time, and punishment for all eternity. And yet... Jesus knows all of this. He knows how badly things really are for you. He knows all of your struggles against sin and how badly you often fail in those struggles against sin. He knows all of your wasted efforts. He knows all of the good that you know you're to do that you don't do. He knows all that you lack. He knows all that you need. And yet... Even knowing all of that, he still comes. And one of the things he does is he comes this Advent to call you to repentance. Not just to feel bad over your sin, to sorrow over sin, which is good, right? Contrition, sorrow over sin is good, but to actually turn from it. 
and to turn from it each and every day, to confess it to our Lords. The true preparation for Christmas, for Christ's second coming, for his coming and word in sacrament now, is repentance. That's why St. John the Baptist features so prominently in Advent. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so he knows you. He knows how sinful you are. And yet, he still comes for you. Luther's sermon on the first Sunday in Advent is quite amazing, and there's a lot of great lines in there. One of my favorite ones is, you do not seek him, but he seeks you. You do not find him, he finds you. Because of your sin, you aren't looking for him to come and deliver you. You didn't see how threatening and perilous your situation was, and yet, he still came, and he still comes. Let's briefly look at how he did come. He came in humility and righteousness, having salvation. He didn't come in a burning bush or a pillar of fire. He came as a weak and crying baby. A baby utterly dependent on Joseph and Mary, who needed love and care. He didn't come on a war horse like Alexander the Great, one of the great generals of history. He comes in weakness and humility on a donkey, riding, if you will, on that first Palm Sunday straight to the cross. There's this painting I always share every year on Facebook of Jesus in a manger down at the bottom in this little cave, and there's a path that leads up to the top and his crucifixion. And along the way, there's also the empty tomb and Jesus on the road with the two disciples going to Emmaus. It's a great reminder that encapsulated in his birth is everything else. The moment he's born, it's a done deal. Jesus is going to accomplish what the Father sent him for. I used to during Advent have in Pagosa a banner hanging right behind me that had the silhouette of Jesus' arms extended as he was on the cross right above the manger. I love that banner. Because he was born that he might rescue us, that he might die. The King of glory, the Lord God of Sabios, the Lord God of the heavenly armies, he came in perfect humility. And so we sing, marvel now, O heaven and earth, that the Lord chose such a birth. Marvel. So we do need to consider the, the appearance of the thing versus its reality. He came and he had no money, and yet the Bible tells us that he became poor that we might become rich in him. He had no earthly kingdom. He had no great army. And yet he was the ruler of heaven and earth, even while lying in a manger. He did not come in strength or violence. In fact, his strength was love and mercy. In fact, it can be most clearly seen as he hangs on a cross. So Paul will say, the weak thing, the foolish thing of God, the cross, is stronger than men, is wiser than men, even though it looks the opposite to our fleshly eyes. He did come in humility, but he came with purpose and certainty. He was born so that he might die, so that he might rescue us and give us new life. And he still comes to us now, here and now, right this evening in humility. 
I mean, think about it. He comes to you through the reading of his word, through the preaching of his word. He comes to you in bread and wine. Outsiders don't understand these things, look at it, and they think, you all look ridiculous. It's foolish. Why waste your time to hear me, to hear the word, to receive some not great tasting bread and some cheaper wine? Why waste your time? Because we know the reality of the situation. That the creator, the king of kings, the lord of lords himself comes through those humble means. That he comes to us through the reading of his word, through the preaching of his word. That he comes to us in his very body and blood with the bread and wine. So that while everyone may see it and despise it and look down upon it, we rejoice. So to change the hymn a little bit, marvel now, O Church of Christ, that the Lord, the very same Lord Jesus, has chosen to come to you in this way. It's no less magnificent, no less worthy of our marvel. And what does he do when he comes? We're called to rejoice because he comes here and now. He won't leave you alone. He won't pretend your sins don't matter, but instead he comes to deal with your sin. He's the mighty warrior strong to save, the champion over sin and death for all who believe. So again, Luther, this king is and shall be called sin's devourer and death's strangler, who exterminates sin and knocks death's teeth out. He disembowels the devil and rescues those who believe on him from sin, death, and the devil. And because that's what he's done, he comes now and he brings the very best gifts. I know, I know it sounds like a cliche. I know it sounds like, oh, just kind of a mere sentimental thing to say at Christmas, that Jesus is the best gift. But it doesn't make it any less true. Jesus brings the very best gift now because through word and sacrament, he gives you faith. He gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you himself. He gives you his righteousness. He makes you a Christian and sustains you as a Christian. And so we still keep saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We sing Hosanna, save us now. We sing and pray, stir up your power and come. Savior of the nations, come. And he does. Consider that. You prayed for it a variety of times throughout the service. And your prayer has been answered multiple times and will be answered yet again as he comes to you in his body and blood. He has come. He is coming again. And he comes to you right now. He comes to you again and again in this place. And so Advent is here to remind us of these great truths and for us to prepare our hearts and minds by repenting and receiving these glorious gifts. Amen. The peace of God passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.